do. And that was beautiful, ladies. Appreciate that. I want you to go to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. While you're getting to Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 10, as uh, we're going to begin, just read two or three verses there, and then we'll go uh, just same chapter, just down a few more verses, and then we'll read another, ver- another verse. But um, for those that ever, ever played, um, especially football, but I'm sure it's in, in other sports, they would have something that's called a chalk talk. You go into the locker room, and, and uh, they go through, and they take that, that board, and I started to bring one in here tonight, but I didn't. But uh, they they called X's and O's. They would put these uh, O's up here, and these X's represent one player and the O another player. And, and uh, usually the O's were the linemen across here, and you'd have five linemen. So you have five O's up there. And then you'd have these backs back here. And uh, there would be lines all through there showing where this man's supposed to go and who this man's supposed to block. And, and all, all it was is a diagram and drawings everywhere. And you'd go into the locker room and you'd sit there sometimes for, for an hour or so and the coach would just be teaching all of these things to you. And I'll be honest with you, we didn't get it. They sit there and they showed you all these things, but it was just... X's and O's on a chalkboard. You say, well, how'd you learn how to play the game? It's when we went out on the field. When I got on the field, those X's and O's came to life because that X or that O had a face on it. And sadly, often it had a, you know, a 250-pound body on it. And, uh, and so they, it was completely different out there because in the diagram, the X and the O, they didn't move. But when you got in front of it, it moved, uh, sometimes at you very quickly. And so it was just a totally different environment. And uh, if you just kind of keep that little illustration in, in your mind, and we mention it again, and I'm going to make a statement, kind of a title here, and I don't want to shock anybody. I don't want anybody to, to go into fear uh, of where I'm going or what I'm going to say, but, but it, 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 I search for the right kind of title, but I, I really, uh, here's my title, and you just hear it. When fundamentalism fails. When fundamentalism fails. And I want you to hear me out tonight, uh, and knowing that, you know, we've got basically our, our, you know, our driving crowd here. I'm not saying that fundamentalism fails. I said when. Fundamentalism fails. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 10, look at it. It says, And next unto them repaired Jediah, the son of, I love this name, Harumpha, even over against his house, and next unto him repaired Hattush, the son of Hashbaniah, and Malkiha, the son of Haram, and Hashab, the son of Pahath Moab, repaired the other piece in the tower of the furnaces, and next unto him repaired Shalom, the son of Halohesh, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem, he and his daughters. And look at verse 23. Now look at verse 23 of Nehemiah, verse 23. It says, after him repaired Benjamin and Hashab over against their house. After him repaired Azariah, the son of Maaseah, the son of Ananiah, by his house. 
Now, there's some key words in here and key thoughts in here, but uh, uh, we'll have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, I pray that you're blessed tonight. And Holy Spirit, I, I ask you to guide my mind, my thoughts. And, and Lord, I pray that everybody would listen intently, that they would actually get what I'm trying to say. And, and Holy Spirit, only you can truly bring understanding to the people. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me, guide me, direct my mind, direct my thoughts, help me to teach and preach so that people would understand uh, this, this, I think, just a crucial, crucial truth. Lord, I pray that you please guide us and direct us here in these minutes. And Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee. For I can do nothing without you. And Lord, I can't make a difference. And I don't want this to be my, my thoughts, but I want this to be your, your direction. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to just make several statements uh, and kind of comparing two, two things, religion and Christianity. Religion is what we do. Christianity is who we know. Who we know will greatly determine what we do. What we do does not necessarily determine who we know. The better we know who we know, the more willing we will do, willingly we will do what we're supposed to do. You know, the truth is, the more you get to know the Lord, doing for the Lord is just really not an issue. Religion is what we want people to see. Christianity is understanding, truly understanding, thy God seeth thee. Religion is what we want people to think of us. Christianity is being concerned with God knows us to be. Religion is the performance of task. Christianity is, is willingly serving a loving God. Religion is walking alone. Christianity is never walking alone. Religion is peer pressure. Christianity is living by fear pressure, the fear of the Lord. Religion is conforming to pressure. Christianity is choosing to live by principles. Religion is believing in God. Christianity is having a heavenly father, an elder brother, and being joint heirs with Jesus Christ. They're two totally different things. Many times, as I'm, especially as I travel, I'll meet people you know, on an airplane or whatever, and I pray for Jill Beth. I just dropped her off the airport. She's on the flight right now. Got to go to O'Hare before we can go to, to Durham. Uh, I love Memphis. Um, but many times as I travel, this is what people say to me, you know, as I'll speak to them, and they'll be sitting beside me, that captive audience, and, and they'll, they'll say to me, I'm just not religious. And you know what I say to them every time? Neither am I. And they stare at me. Why are you talking to me about religion? Why did you hand me this religious material if you're not religious? And I'll tell them, I'm not religious either. You see, my goal is not to be religious. My desire in life is to know Jesus Christ better and more intimately today than I did yesterday. And I'll tell them, look, this is not about religion. This is about Christianity. This is not about religion because religion in their minds, and I know what they're thinking, religion is a system that I've got to fit into. And I tell them, no, I'm talking about Jesus. Amen? I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
James 1, 19 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, let's admit, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But listen to this, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Now God says, if you really know me, you're going to be doing what I've taught you, not just a hearer of what I've said. He says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He looks there and then he, he sees himself, but he, he walks away and can't, he doesn't remember who he really was, what he really looked like. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. God just says, you know, if you you really know me, there ought to be something that changed about you. You ought to have a desire to live according to my word. He said, verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. God says, you know, he says, pure religion is when you care about everybody else, but you also understand that I taught you how to stay clean. So I desire to have pure religion. Now, but pure religion in reality is a relationship. Adulterated religion is, a, is void of relationship and saturated with self-performance. A driving force of, of, for my desire for a relationship with my God uh, is for my children and my children's children. I, 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 it drives me and con- always drives me to have a stronger, a re- continuous relationship with my God. And, and really, it's, it's so much of that driving force is my children and my children's children. I want them to understand that this whole thing is real, that God is real, and He's so real that He's changed me, and it's not something superficial that I'm performing. It's something that's real inside of me. Now, if I have no relationship or my relationship is weak, then I will tend to command and demand them to obey my religion. And whether the truths are biblical or not, watch this now, they will almost always rebel against it. If I don't have a true relationship, mom and dad, if I don't have a true relationship with Jesus Christ, if I don't have that kind of relationship, let me warn you, I don't care if you're delivering truth to your child, they're probably going to rebel against it eventually because they're looking at hypocrisy. And in their minds, watch this now, they believe in you. And when our lives don't just don't live up to what we say. When we force them into conforming, but we don't believe what we're doing, we feel like somehow this rules and regulations are going to make them turn out for God. Listen to me. Uh, when they see that and they realize it really is not real in us, there's no real relationship with us, they're going to rebel. They're going to turn. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 10, we said again, it says, The next unto them repaired Jediah, the son of Harump, even over against his house. Notice that. Even over against his house. Uh, we're going to go back to that, 
verse 23, it says, And after him repaired, verse 23, repaired Benjamin and Hashem over against their house. And, he repaired, and after him repaired Azariah, the son of Maasai, uh, uh, the son of Ananiah, by his house. You see, I, I don't think there's anything in the Bible that's by accident. And I think God's making a, a deliberate point here. That they, as they repaired and as they worked, they worked and they built a portion of the wall next to their house. He said it's very important that, that, you, that mom, dad, children, everybody work on this wall. Because you know why? You're going to build it next to my house because this wall is going to protect my house. And I want you to understand something, folks. This is such a, an incredible parallel. The walls around the city were really, in fact, they were around the temple. Now, do you know what had to happen before the temple would be destroyed? They had to break down the walls. Do you understand that that's really what when God says to live purely, when God says to live righteously, when God tells us to live holy, do you know what he's saying? He's saying you better build some walls around your temple. You better put up some walls around your temple. Now, let me help you. There, there are some people that understand those walls because they built those walls. You know why they were building those walls? They had to, at, at some points, they had, we're not going to go all through Nehemiah, but at, at one point, they had a sword in one hand and a trial in the other hand. You know why? They knew, we better get these walls built because we don't, the enemy's coming in. So much so that while we're trying to build the walls, we're going to try to come in. And can I tell you, Arthur, while you're trying to build the walls of this life and this relationship that you have, let me tell you, the old evil ones, he's trying to come in right now. And you know what you got to do? You got you to hold up. You got to keep before you just what you're doing. You take that Bible I gave you and you keep reading, you keep reciting, you keep memorizing. You know what that is? That's the sword of the Spirit. You hold that sword up. All the while, you're working on your relationship. And those of us that understand where we came from and the fact that we had to build our own walls, bless God, we know why we have to have those walls. Because you let the walls be torn down, the temple's going to be destroyed. And that's why it says, even one portion, it says that he built and even and with his daughters. You know why? Because they need to be working on these walls too. Let me, t- let me help again, please. We've got, we've got young people in here, and I'm saying young people. I'm talking about anything that still lives at home. Uh, uh, they've got to understand this. We must be in the work of the Lord of building the walls of God. We must be, they must be participating. They must be functioning in it. They've got to be doing it. If they're not, they really don't understand the danger. They don't understand why we're building it. They don't understand how important it is. They don't understand the enemy that's trying to get in. These families... 
fathers, mothers, sons, and daughters through working together on, on the, uh, the walls of separation. Uh, they, they understood some things and they appreciated some things uh, because they sacrificed to build these walls. In the work, they saw the need. They saw the danger. They, they looked to the path uh, ahead of them and recognized where it would lead. And they said, you know what? Uh, the walls were torn down once before. They came and these people that worked on it, they said, you know, the, 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 the walls were torn down. And when they were torn down, the temples in shambles Everything's a shambles. Our homes have been destroyed. You know what? That's what happened when the walls are torn down. So while we rebuild the walls, we got to understand we got to be ready to fight because he's going to try to come in before we rebuild. But bless God, while we're rebuilding, my children fight beside me. My children war beside me. My children work beside me. And they're learning the enemy. They're learning why it's so important. And I get those walls built up. They understand this is not just some walls that somebody said put up for some unknown reason. Why do we have to have these walls? No, they know why they have to have these walls. The ones that don't know why they have their walls are those that don't work on the walls. When we are the recipient, listen to this, when we're the recipient of the wall that we did not work on or fight for to build, we will not recognize the walls as a protection, but rather see them as a confinement. Those that don't work on the walls, when the walls get built, they're going to gripe because, man, I got I to gotta go all the way to the gate to get out of here. Every time I want to get out of here, I, this, I get this wall in my way. Why do we have to have the stinking wall? And they don't see the importance of it. And sadly, some so much is that instead of the enemy tearing down the wall, they begin to tear down the wall themselves. But God gave us this wall. That's what Ten Commandments are. They're a mighty wall that encircle us. There's Ten Commandments. They're not a confinement. They're a protection. My preacher uh, said, you know, I, I heard 35 years ago when I first heard him, preach he said he said you know he said I was walking down the street one day and he said as I walked by uh, there there's this lady that was walking a little chihuahua dog he said that she was walking that chihuahua dog and and that little chihuahua dog all of a sudden a big old uh, 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 German shepherd came in from the yard at the, and it was and hit the fence and started growling and barking at that little chihuahua dog now you know, he said, you know, that little dog probably thought, I'm confined. I sure wish I could get on the other side of that fence. But the moment that little chihuahua got on, if that fence was down, that little dog would have been a hot dog. He'd been gone. And that's what a lot of our kids don't understand. That's what a lot of our people don't understand. If you don't put up some walls, your temple's going to get destroyed. How can we change this? How, uh, how can we help our children, help them to know Christ? For as you know him and as you surrender to and listen to the Spirit of God, you will be alert to the dangers and the need of the wall. We need to get our kids 
in the Word of God. We need to get ourselves in the Word of God. We need to get involved in the work of God. We need to understand why, that we need to see and observe what has destroyed people that tore down the walls. I don't know how many times I would take my, my kids, and it, especially with the sailors, it was real easy, but I would show them, uh, you know, people, you know, they may have, young boys, they might have got saved, sailor boys that got saved, and, and man, just be great guys, and, and then pretty soon, they're, they're, you can't find them, or, you, you know, when I do find them, they're drunk, they're messed up, they've, uh, I can still remember one boy that I told him on a Saturday, uh, I told him, I said, son, you take off on that motorcycle, one of those old fast uh, motorcycles, I said, you take off on that thing today I said chances are you're gonna kill yourself the way you're acting the way you're doing no 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 you know hey brother hooker it's fine man I know what I'm doing I didn't see him for about three weeks and I mailed a letter to his barracks came back serviceman deceased you know we got to we got to teach our children what happens when these walls get destroyed if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Why do we have these rules? Why do we have to have all these rules? Well, first of all, they're not rules. They're principles that form a great wall of protection. They're truths that form a great wall of protection. So they're not rules. Rules are for religion. No, principles, truths, of what Christianity teaches us. Many a young person will look at for areas such as, let's just be careful of this, but many a young person will look for an area such as their room. And can I tell you, our girls, even though they may have had a room, it was never their room. Amen? So long as they live at home, it ain't their room. Boy, can I get an amen somebody? It wasn't their room. And they knew that. I'd, I'd be honest with you, none of, none of their doors had locks on them. You say, why? Because <laughs> I didn't want to have to pay for frames. <laughs> because if it's locked, the door's going to get open, if you understand what I mean. It's coming open. And now, uh, it's not their room, but here's what they'll do. Many young person, Christian young person, have areas like their room. And they use it as a sanctuary to escape the walls of confinement. But we should be teaching them that their room is the house that they're building into the wall. And the wall must be built into their house, which must be secure itself. And they, are, they have to do it. How can they secure the walls around their room? I had a... I got a phone call from a fella, and I don't know why I'd get these calls, but I, but I did back up in Indiana. But um, I guess maybe I was the only person crazy enough to deal with these things. But, but if ever they had somebody they thought was demon-possessed, they would come to me. Maybe it's because they understood that I knew a lot about it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but they would, you know. And so, uh, you know, Keith Cowling had this person on his bus route that was, he said, man, he said, I think they're demon possessed. They got something, this girl every night, she's seeing people, she's doing it. So he said, uh, would you go with me? And uh, that usually meant I'll drive you there. I'll stay in the car. <laughs> and so uh, I went there and it was like every time I'd ever do this, you go in there. 
And the parents are begging me to help their daughter because she's seeing things, she's doing things. She's, uh, so you go into the room, their room. And all around their, their room, it's dark, it's satanic, it's emblems, it's symbols, it's music, it's pictures, it's everything. And so I went to the parents and I said, okay, first thing we need to do is we need to gut her room and repaint everything and cleanse out this stuff, get it out of here. Because she's inviting them in. And he said, do you really think she was seeing something? Oh, yeah, I do. See, I really think there are demons, okay? Um, and so I think they're, they're there. And so I said, you've got to clean this all out. But here was the problem. When, as they said, oh, we need to do that, we need to do that. Well, when uh, I went through a section of the room to, uh, to talk to the dad, I came in. Well, their room was no different. Parents' room was no different. It was as wicked as the girls' room. And I looked at him, I said, let me help you. You're not going to clean out this house by changing her room. And she's not going to keep her room changed. I don't care how much we go through it, so long as you're feeding it to her. I went to one, then, and then there was a, a, a boy, uh, and, then, and uh, the family, the entire family kept seeing this 12-year-old boy walk up the what they thought, you know, somewhere about 12 years old. He, they would see him walking up the stairs. They would see him coming into their room. They would, the kids would see him at, to the point that they were talking to him now. It's just like he's so normal. And, and, uh, and when, I, when I got there, you know, everything seemed to be cleaned out. And I, and I got into a closet, and, they're on, and, and, trying, and I just said, look, there's something in here. Because uh, there always is. There's a connection. There's a door opening. And I got And inside the closet, uh, so that they, they, nobody in the family could see it, inside the closet, scratched and etched in the entire door was, was a satanic emblem on the inside of that door. The kid had scratched it in there. Uh, but it turns out it wasn't the kid that was living in there. It was the kid that had hung himself in that house at 12 years of age. You say, well, so is this a ghost? No, no. Demons know exactly what they're doing. They, they're, 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 they're working on the minds of people. But you know, here's the problem. The family, the family is, this, the family is not uh, teaching the child to build what, what it means to build walls. So they're in there in their little secluded room. Instead of their, their home being built and their room being a place where, where God can bless and where they can find peace and where they can find protection, their, their, their mom and dad are leading them. To, to tear down the walls and let, invite the enemy in. You say, why do you give these illustrations? Because I'm afraid that's what happens in our fundamentalism. Here's what we do so often is we, we really don't get involved much in the, in the work of God. We really don't. We, we pretty much sit in pews. We come in and we, we, uh, we, we have our children. And, and then here we send them to Christian school. And we send them to activities. We send them to everything. And we say, you do this and you do this and you dress this way and you talk this way and you cut your hair this way and do all this because all that's going to make you okay. No, those things won't make you okay. It's got to start in here. Now, are these good things? Well, probably a lot of those things are really good things. 
But when there are rules, as we believe somehow, we've, we've somehow uh, shown our kids, one, that this is just some rule we're conformed to, at least till you're 18, because we just want you to stay out of trouble until you get to be 18. Or we want you to stay out of trouble and stay pure until you get married. And somehow we're just going to hold you in this place. No, that's not, no, <laughs> that's not going to work. That's, that's where we fail. We've got to believe what we believe, and it's got to be real in our heart till we say, Yo, dear God, I want my children to know this. I want them to know that I want to be closer to you. I want my relationship with you real. I want my relationship to be something so intense that when they look at me, they say, You know what? Daddy and Mama might not be perfect, but I know they believe what they say they believe. And so when we look at them and say, you know what, baby, I, this is what we're going to do. And I want you to understand why we're doing it. And there's so many times I told my girls this, here's why I'm not letting you do that. Because I did that and came really close to destroying my life. The only reason I'm here is by the grace of God. And the truth is, right now, I carry scars from that. I carry spiritual scars from that. And you know, baby, I fight some things today because my, I, you know, I, I did that. And I want you to understand that's why I don't want you to do that. This doesn't make you closer to God. This protects you until you can grow to the point mature enough where you can understand that you need to be closer to God. It's a wall of protection. So there's some things that we just don't do because we've got to have the wall. The failure, here's the ultimate failure. We find it in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. Verse 4, Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 4 and 5 says, As the next unto them repaired Miramoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Koz. Next unto them repaired Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshabil. Next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Bana. Next unto them the Tekoites repaired. But look at the end of this verse. But their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. When we do not work on the walls, we will not understand the need for the walls. Therefore, there will be a day that we will, we will rebel against the walls. Young people, I want you, everybody in here to understand that, and some that are new, Arthur and Shell, you know, there's some things that we probably do different than a lot of other churches. There's some things that if you ask me, did you allow your kids to do that? I tell you, no, I didn't. We didn't do that. They're protections. But all while we were doing that in our human frailties, we still tried to teach them about Jesus. 
about a relationship with Christ. About a sincerity of heart that that is imperfect as we were. We didn't work a military ministry because it was a job. We worked a military ministry because God opened us an opportunity to reach boys headed down the road that I was headed down. So many times they would look at me and they would say, oh man, you don't understand. I want to go party. I want to go have fun. You Christians wouldn't understand. And I'd look at them and say, son, you're the one who don't understand. I don't, I've been on both sides of it. You've only been on one. I'm the one that knows both sides of this life. That's why I'm trying my best to help you come behind the walls. If you come behind the walls, you get protected. And that's why with my girls, I, you know, they... They used to, you know, they would be some good-looking old sailor boy come down, and they say, especially older teenage girls, they'd say, wow, Daddy, he's looks sharp. He's this. He's a what? You know, and they, every once in a while, one of them would get the nerve, you know, they didn't come to me and ask me if, if they could date my daughter. And then after I killed them, the, um, <laughs> no, I, I, would look, I would look at them and I'd say, buddy, I love you, but no. You say, Why? Because I saw him only on the weekend. And I would tell my girls, maybe I'm protecting you because what you don't know, you see a guy gets his hair cut because the military makes him cut his hair. You see him dress decent because the military makes sure he dresses decent. You see him acting nice because they beat some submission into him. And he says, yes, sir, no, sir. And he, say, he shows up on, on Saturday, and man, he looks like the sharpest thing that ever lived. And, and man, something just good looking as he'd be. And I said, but baby, you don't know his life. You don't know what he's doing. You don't know who he was out with last night. And so I would say no. So what was I doing to him? I was forcing some rule upon them? No. I said, baby. I'm going to, as best I can, I'm going to explain to you why we got to come inside this wall. He said, no, did they handle that right? I'll tell you what made the difference. I didn't just say, no, you can't date one of them. And then they go about their business all weekend long while mom and, dad, mom and daddy over here feeding sailors. No, they, they came sometimes even to the base with me. And every once in a while, I would take the girls to the base. And you know why? Because I wanted to walk across that base or I wanted to, them to see one of those boys drunk. I wanted them to see him come staggering in. I wanted them to be serving food to them and overhear one of them talking about who they were with last night. You see, when you're in the work, you start to learn. And that's when your girls, as they start to grow older, you don't even have to say anything anymore. They just look at you and say, no, Dad, that's not where I want to go. 
Now, you're saying that there's no military kid? That, no, there's some of them that, man, they went out to the fleet. They came, out, came back, went to Bible college, out in ministry, pastoring churches. And, and, you know, I'm not saying they can't grow, but I'm saying at the stage they were at, I had to put up a wall of protection around my daughters. Had to. But they had to, one, understand. I couldn't just force the wall around them because they don't understand it. If they don't understand why they're behind the wall, they're always going to be fighting for a way to climb over it. So the best I could, I wanted them to understand it, but the best way to understand it is to be involved in it. Be involved in a ministry. Be involved in serving. Be involved. I'll be honest with you. The, uh, I was talking to somebody today, and, and I said, you know, one of the reasons that I'm trying so hard to get more equipment for the kitchen thing because I want uh, real soon, some day in the future, I want on, uh, to, for our youth activity uh, maybe every couple months or so to be uh, where we go down into Memphis and get homeless people and bring them here, and we serve them a really incredible meal. Say, why? Well, I want to reach those people without a doubt, but I also want every young person in here to understand where tearing down a wall can ultimately take you. I want them to know, you tear down the wall, you fight against the wall enough, you don't think this is going to happen to you, but neither did any of these people that are going to be sitting in there. None of them ever thought that's where they were going to end up. The only way to keep the temple safe is to keep strong walls. The only way to keep the people from tearing down their own walls is keeping them involved and understanding why we have the walls. But if they just think the walls are there for some unknown reason to restrict them, they're always going to be trying to find a way out of the walls but that's not what we do and I'm not sure I've made this clear probably as confusing as the day is long but I, I want us to have young people that say okay I understand and I know that means sometimes I don't do some things some of my buddies are doing some of the other people are doing and, and you know that's kind of hard at my age but you know I also don't want to end up there. I just thank God at 20 years of age I got saved because God, the Holy Spirit of God, started helping me understand that I needed to change some things. And otherwise, I, started, I had to start building some walls around my life. And when Joe Beth and I, at 20, I was 23 and she was 21 or 20 years old, and we found, found a little independent Baptist church, and that church in six months taught us about repairing the walls of our lives. That's why I look back now and I realize, to be honest with you, you wouldn't believe how many people that I went to Memphis State with that are dead, in jail, divorced, wrecked, and ruined. And I'm no better than any of them. Not at all. Just somebody help me understand the importance of the walls around my life. Had to build them. 
And there were some things I had to say no to. There were some things we said we're not going to do. But please understand, children are going to rebel against the walls and look at confinement unless they understand why we're doing what we're doing. They got to understand. And one of the best ways to help them understand is to be involved in life changing changing somebody's life, seeing somebody, forgive me, being involved in a bus route. Hey, watch this. When you work in the Sunday school classes, realize those young people, you know where they're coming from. You know why they have to get on buses? Because they grew up in an environment where nobody had walls. And they live in homes where their temples of their parents have been destroyed by drugs and alcohol and prostitution and addiction. And young people, you got to start looking at those and realize that child, the only hope for them. You know, there ought to be, every young person in here, ought to, there ought to be a child on that bus route that would you say, I'm going to get involved in their life. Because my preacher told me that every young person would make it if they had at least one person that truly cared about them. So you could make the difference in some young person's life. It's not just going through the motions. Fellas, it's not just putting on skits. It's not just herding them in and herding them out. No, it's an opportunity to say, thank God somebody taught me how to have walls. And let me help these that never had that privilege. Let me help one of them. And then even to this day, when I still get a letter, a note, a phone call from a sailor boy that had his heart and his life changed, and from hours and hours of counseling and talking, they came to understanding where they were going because they had no walls. And that they, it's, it's a little bit that we could get built before they left. They built enough that, that, that somehow it preserved them from destroying their life. And they call us now and say, this is our life. This is what we have. God is so good. Father, I feel so